Hey, welcome home to Cassidy. My name is Stephen Mitchell, and it is a great joy to be here with you, to be able to continue growing in relationship with God, growing in relationship with one another, so that we can be the people that God wants us to be, so that we can uh, recognize first that we need God so desperately, uh, that, that we can seek after God, and together we can go on a journey, a journey uh, where we can grow in relationship with God and one another, where we can be more like the people that God wants us to be. If you're new here, hey, I just wanted to say you are welcome here. Whether you're joining us in person or online, we're just excited that you have chosen to spend a portion of your day with us. Uh, we want you to know that we recognize that we're not perfect, but we know the one who is, and that's Jesus Christ. And we want desperately to be more and more like Jesus. And so we want to invite you on the journey with us so that together we can be made more and more into the image of God. Over the past few weeks, we've been talking about a message series called Rely, a worship series that is entitled Rely, and the idea is that we want to rely on the Holy Spirit. Uh, and rely, we've defined it as depend on with full trust or confidence. We want to rely on the Holy Spirit with full trust or confidence, that, that we have more trust and confidence in the Holy Spirit than anything else in our lives, that we recognize that God has, uh, has released us from sin and death, and God is holding near to us, and, and that God is going to do all things that He can for us, and, and, and we are part of God's kingdom right here and right now. And we have talked through the idea of waiting before we go so that we can be God's people, so that we can be inspired by the Holy Spirit. We've talked about confronting the culture, and we've talked about keeping in step. And, and today, we're going to talk about what it is to keep up momentum, to keep the momentum going for the kingdom-building activities of God. And, and what's interesting is, <laughs> I don't know about you, but in my life, uh, things don't often turn out the way I expect them to. As a matter of fact, when things do go the way I expect them to, I'm pretty surprised because that turned out exactly how I imagined is a very rare thing in my life. And I think it's rare for most people that most people, things don't often turn out the way that they had planned. The same is true for a guy named Hiram Bingham III. Hiram Bingham III was, uh, was a professor of or anthropology, sorry, at Harvard. Uh, and in 1911, he just was impassioned by the idea of the Incans. The Incan uh, kingdoms and, and cities were uh, being discovered and people were uh, journeying into the jungles around Peru and those areas trying to find uh, any lost cities that they could find. And uh, in 1911, Hiram Bingham actually uh, discovered, rediscovered uh, Machu Picchu. Uh, what had happened was he had been told about, yeah, I think over on that mountain there's some ruins over there. And so he goes to, uh, goes toward the mountain uh, and is climbing up and finds on this plateau of land, finds a, a farmer and uh, starts talking to the farmer about ruins. And the farmer's like, yeah, sure, no problem. Uh, and so they lead him to Machu Picchu. Machu Picchu just stands for Old Peak. Um, it's this, this idea of a, uh, of a mountaintop. 
And it's an old mountaintop, and so Machu Picchu isn't actually a city name, it's the location name. Uh, but when he gets to Machu Picchu, he, through the jungle, starts to notice that, hey, this is a pretty massive find. This is bigger than anything he had ever imagined. Machu Picchu stretches, uh, stretches from terraces and, and buildings across the top of this mountaintop. And it's, it's an amazing place. You can actually take tours now uh, and, and go through the jungle so that you show up and, and get to see this place and explore it. Uh, but the thing of, of power here is that he expected maybe to find a few little ruins, not to find a whole civilization location, right? And what's, what's really cool is that farmer that was farming on a plateau on the side of the, the mountain, when he was farming there, he was, actually, he was actually farming on one of the terraces of the city. But no one, uh, no one imagined the, the breadth of what they had discovered when they went to the top of Machu Picchu, things were different than they expected. And for us, like I said, almost everything turns out differently than we expect. And sometimes it can turn out drastically differently. We lose things and people along the way. We struggle in life because of all of the things that are going on in and around us. We have relationships that fall apart. We have family that turn they're back on us. We have the diagnosis or prognosis of illness and disease. We have loss and death, and we struggle. And that's because almost everything turns out differently than we expect. It's very rare when things turn out the way that we expect them to. The same was true for Paul. Uh, today we're going to take a look at Paul. Uh, Paul was a, a church planter who was on fire for Jesus, and Paul had a desire to go into all of the world because this is what Jesus told him to do, go into all the world and share the gospel. And so Paul, in his, in his desire to go to all the world, has a plan to go to Spain. Spain is the ends of the earth as far as uh, the people of, of Jesus' time understand. And Paul says, Jesus said, take the, the gospel to the ends of the earth. I'm going to the ends of the earth. And so in order to do that, he knew that he needed a base of operations, and that base of operations was going to be Rome. And so he wrote a letter in preparation for going to Rome and, and had, had a desire to go to Rome so that he could, uh, he could reveal to them who he was to encourage them with a word from the Lord and to use them as a base of operations for further mission trips that would carry him further and further into uh, Spain into, to take him to the ends of the earth. Now, Paul had planned to go to Rome. What Paul didn't plan is to go to Rome as a prisoner. But that's exactly how he got to Rome. Uh, here's the deal. Paul was in Jerusalem, and people were upset about Paul. They, they labeled him a disturber of the world. 
Um, and, and the whole world had been impacted by Paul and the message of Jesus. And people were bent out of shape about Paul, uh, especially in Jerusalem, because he had turned his back on being uh, one of the teachers of the law so that he could teach this new way, the, the idea of Jesus as Messiah, Jesus as Lord, resurrection and life in Jesus. And so they were upset about it. Uh, and Paul gets arrested while he's in Jerusalem. And while he's there under arrest, they take him in front of the leaders and, and he does something uh, that is guaranteed to get him out of Jerusalem alive because he wasn't sure that was going to happen. He appealed to Caesar. Now, any Roman could appeal to Caesar. And what that meant is you would go and you would stand trial in front of Caesar, not by the local magistrate, not by the local authorities, but instead Caesar would rule on your case. And, and Paul appeals to Caesar so that he will make it to Rome. So Paul is arrested and, and, and they start to take him to Rome. Now here's the deal also, uh, and I'm saying here's the deal a lot, but follow with me. Uh, when, when they're taking him to Rome, it's not like they can just jump on an airplane or there's a horse path that's going to lead them all the way to Rome. No, they have to go by whatever means of transportation is available. And so a Roman centurion is assigned to Paul to get him to Rome so that he can stand trial in front of Caesar. And they begin this journey toward Rome. And, and when they get to Crete, uh, the weather is starting to turn bad, and it's a bad time to be uh, sailing in ships. And so Paul warns the centurion, hey, guys, we should, we should stay here uh, until the season passes, and then we would go safely. Uh, but the centurion wants to get Paul to Rome, and the other people on the ship want to go to the direction to, to Rome so that they get to where they need to be. And so they make a decision that they're going to go, regardless of what this, uh, this follower of Jesus says. Oddly enough, uh, the authorities tr have more trust in the ship's captain than they do in Paul's word. And they should have chosen the other way, but hey, uh, the story wouldn't be as amazing if they did. And, and what happens is when favorable winds start to appear in Crete, uh, they set sail. They set sail thinking that, hey, things have turned for the better. We're going to get there. Everything is going to be fine uh, until things take a drastic turn for the worse. They find themselves uh, in a hurricane in a northeaster uh, off of uh, out, outside of Crete on the way to Rome, and uh, it, is, it is bad. It is so bad that the ship, they, they drop what's called a sea anchor. A sea anchor is uh, really, it's not an anchor that goes onto the bottom. It's an anchor that drags behind the boat that slows the ship down. Uh, and they lower their sails and they're kind of just being tossed around. They keep uh, a little bit uh, of momentum because you don't want to just be battered around. But they're so concerned with what's going to happen that they drop ropes under the ship so that they can tie the ship and hold it together. Anytime you're trying to hold the ship 
together from the outside, things are going, things are going pretty bad. And, and, and so they, they tie the rudder off so that uh, nobody is, is trying to hold it and drops it. And, and so the, the rudder is tied in place. The ship is held together with rope and all of the things that have, have been there. And, and it's in this moment that Paul decides, hey, I'm going to share with them what's about to unfold. And we see this in Acts 21, uh, 20, chapter 27, verse 21. It says this, After they had gone a long time without food, Paul stood up before them and said, Men, you should have taken my advice not to sail from Crete. <laughs> I love this. Hey, if you'd just listened to me, uh, we wouldn't be in this situation. But now there's going to be a problem. Then you would have spared yourselves this damage and loss. Uh, so if you would have listened, if you would have paid attention, you would have saved yourself this damage and loss. But now I urge you, keep up your courage, because not one of you will be lost. And so Paul uh, shares with them a message that he has received from God, uh, that, that they are all going to survive. But you'll notice that that ends with a semicolon because Paul is not done. And he says this, only the ship will be destroyed. You're going to live, but the ship isn't going to make it. And, and you got to imagine that they were like, wait, what? what did, did he just say the ship isn't? Paul, I don't know if you know this or not, but if we go overboard right now, we will all die. No one will make it because the, the waves and the, uh, the water is not okay, and we are not going to make it. you got to imagine that they were not super enthusiastic about what Paul had brought them. Hey, everybody's going to live, but the ship isn't going to make it. Well, we kind of need the ship in order to get to land. We need the ship so that we can survive. Sometimes we believe we need something so desperately because we're not relying on the God that calls us. We're not relying on God and instead we rely on the things of this world and we can't see the possibility, the potential for what God is calling us to. It continues, just before dawn, Paul urged them all to eat. For the last 14 days, he said, you have been in constant suspense and have gone without food. You haven't eaten anything. For the last 14 days, they had been there waiting and, 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 and struggling. Now, this tells you that they have been at sea in rough weather for 14 days, and every day they're like, Things could go horribly wrong. We don't even have time to sit down and eat. And Paul says, hey, you guys, you need to take a moment and eat. For the last 14 days, you've struggled. You've been nervous and anxious. You have been concerned about what's going on, and you haven't eaten anything. Now I urge you to take some food. You need it to survive. Not one of you will lose a single hair from his head. After this after he said this, he took some bread and gave thanks to God in front of them all. Then he broke it, and he began to eat. They, they, they were all encouraged by this and ate some food for themselves. Altogether, there were 276 of us on board. When they had eaten as much as they wanted, they lightened the ship by throwing the grain into the sea. 
you know things are going bad when they're throwing the food overboard. They know that their journey is coming to an end. They know they don't have much longer on the ship because the ship isn't going to make it. Paul has told them that. And what is amazing to me is that Paul is arrested. He's imprisoned and, and he's carted off to Rome, forced to, to go on by ship to Rome. And what is he worried about? He's worried about the others on the ship. He's worried about them. And why he's worried about them is because he's interested in keeping momentum for the kingdom of God. Whether Paul is in chains or free, Paul belongs to Christ. And Paul's desire is for the people to see a God of grace and hope. That, That sometimes the destination, getting to the destination looks drastically differently than it does uh, than you have imagined. Uh, and so the story continues, and, and we see this. When daylight came, they did not recognize the land, so they saw the land. They didn't recognize it, but they saw a bay with a sandy beach where they decided to run the ship aground if they could. So in the distance, they see a, a bay and a sandy beach, and they said, okay, we're going to have to make for that so that we can survive. Uh, cutting loose the anchors, they left them in the sea and at the same time untied the ropes that held the rudder so that they could steer, and they hoisted the foresail so that the wind, uh, to the wind and made for the beach. So they turned the sailing ship toward the beach, and they loosed the, an- the anchor uh, and cut it free, and they're moving toward this beach. But the ship struck a sandbar and ran aground. The bow stuck fast and would not move, and the stern was broken to pieces by the pounding of the surf. (laughs) Here we go, guys. We're going to make it, but the ship isn't going to make it. Sometimes you have to lose the ship in order to make it. And my guess is none of us have been in an actual shipwreck that we haven't experienced what it's like to, to have a ship break apart beneath us. But I also believe that almost all of us have experienced what it's like to be broken and battered by the rocks of reality, that our lives are not necessarily the way that we had hoped for them to be, that our dreams are not necessarily turning out the way that we imagined them to be. Our hopes and our dreams have been crushed by the reality of the brokenness of this world, and, and maybe some of us have even felt like we have lost everything because we've lost something so precious to us. We don't look toward the destination. Instead, we're focused on the moment. And we look around and we see the ship crumbling beneath us. And our only thought is this isn't how I imagined it to be. I'm I'm pretty sure those men on that ship were having the same thought. Those men were seeing their source of safety breaking apart around them. But Paul was confident in God. Paul recognized that God 
was present, and that he served a God who was bigger than the wind and the waves, a God who had promised him safety for those on the ship, regardless of how it looked, regardless of what they thought needed to happen. Paul says, hey, we're going to make it, but the ship isn't going to go with us. It continues, the soldiers planned to kill the prisoners to prevent any of them from swimming away or escaping, but, but the centurion wanted to spare Paul's life and kept them from carrying out their plans. He ordered those who could swim to jump overboard first and to get to land. The rest were there on, were, were to get on planks uh, or on other pieces of the ship, and in that way, everyone reached land safely. <laughs> 276 people all survived. The ship didn't make it. This, this image can be so powerful for us because what we, what we start to realize, what we start to see when we hear about Paul in this journey and we look at our life and see that it hasn't turned out uh, the way we imagined, sometimes we, we need to understand that success to God can look drastically different than what you imagine. Success to God can look drastically different than what you imagine success to be. I'm pretty sure for the men on that ship, success was getting there with the ship intact. Uh, but Paul says, hey, we're going to make it, just not the ship. And I'm pretty sure that the world thought that Jesus' death was going to be the end as well. And yet resurrection. God said, no, this is just the beginning, the beginning of my new kingdom building mission. And so we can look at this story and we can recognize that, hey, things aren't always the way we imagine them, but God is still in control. And sometimes we need to let go of the things that we're holding and clinging to and instead start to hold fast to God, to trust in God with a fullness of heart that we have never experienced. And, and maybe you're sitting out there and you're like, I don't even know how you could possibly do that. How, how can we trust so deeply on Christ that, that we have faith even when things are going upside down? And I think that there are the three Ds. We can do the three Ds. We can, depend, we can deepen our faith. We can say, God, we need you, and, and, and we need to rely on you, so show us how to deepen our faith. Show us how to walk into this relationship and, and hold firm to you over everything else. Show us, reveal to us how we can do this. How can we deepen our faith through reading of Scripture, through spending time in community so that we can hear the stories of God and live out the purpose of God in our own lives. And then we depend on the Spirit of God to lead and guide us. We rely on God's Holy Spirit so that we can devote ourselves to serving God. The three Ds aren't easy, but they're what we can do to take a step each and every day in the direction of Jesus Christ. Friends, this weekend we're celebrating, celebrating, we remember 
uh, Memorial Day. This is Memorial Weekend where we mourn the sacrifice of men and women who have paid their all for our freedoms. But we also are mourning 22 people, 19 children and a teacher that was killed in a school in Uvalde, Texas. And we mourn 10 people that were killed while grocery shopping in Buffalo, New York. We're in a world that is broken. We live in a broken world, and it's high time to set aside the pursuit of our own desires and get busy living for Jesus. Sometimes we have to let go of the ship so that we can reach the destination that God wants us to. Sometimes we have to get rid of our own desires so that we can live in accordance with the Holy Spirit, so that we can rely on God and not our own ways. We have to keep our momentum for Jesus. We have to surrender who we are. We have to carry out those three Ds, and we have to live boldly standing up for Jesus, and keeping the momentum of the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Gracious God, we give you thanks and praise for the gift you give us in Jesus Christ. Father, we offer ourselves before you. We're not perfect, but we pray that you would forgive us, that you would pour your grace out upon us, that you would draw us deeper into relationship so that we can be more like you, so that we can depend on you and that we can, uh, we can understand the call that you are placing on our lives. Help us to recognize that sometimes the ship doesn't make it, and sometimes we need to turn over everything to you and say, whether we are in chains or free, whether we feel like we're drowning or on top of the world, that we are yours. First, foremost. We belong to Jesus. Let us keep in step. Let us keep the momentum. Let us keep pushing forward for the kingdom of God now and always. And all of us agreed and said,